homelands, even though it is a rich biodiverse region that deserves just as much co conservation and protection as other areas that have been listed in this country. But because it has already been um, you know, titled to a corporation for exploitation, it does not get it. So they're only giving what they feel is going to benefit them, the corporations, and the entire system of false solutions to be pushed forward that continues to railroad and marginalize our communities. So we have to move forward and support each other. We have to support each other in this movement for liberation from false solutions and liberation from capitalism, liberation from white supremacy. We're out of time. I'd like to thank the organizers of the webinar, Hoodwinked in the Hot House, for allowing us to share their audio with you. I would also like to thank the Sojourner Truth team, our assistant producer, and today's audio engineer. Remember to visit our website, sotrueradio.org, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at sotrueradio. And this is your host, Margaret Prescott, and y'all, please remember to stay safe. supported community radio. KBU Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kboo.fm. Due to the temporary closure of in-station activity at KBU, meetings will be conducted online via public video conferencing unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available on our website. The Development and Events Committee meets on the fourth Monday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Please visit our website at KBU. FM to verify if a meeting is being held. Hello, ahlan wa sahlan, and welcome to another episode of Arab Voices, coming to you from the studios of KPFT Houston since 2002. This is Saeed, executive producer and host of Arab Voices. This show is syndicated and it airs on other radio stations in different cities in the U.S. In this episode of Arab Voices, we will air a segment about Julian Assange titled The Urgency of the Julian Assange Case and the Crisis of Press Freedom, 
by Code Pink Radio. As you may have heard, the British government approved on June 17, 2022, the extradition of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to the United States to face espionage charges. Assange's lawyers are expected to challenge that order in the British courts within 14 days. Julian Assange is charged by the United States government with the publication of classified documents and exposing war crimes committed by U.S. forces in Iraq. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison if convicted of violations of the Espionage Act. Back in 2010, WikiLeaks released government materials related to American military operations in the Middle East, including a video showing American pilots in Iraq making jokes as they opened fire on a group of non-combatants that included civilians and journalists, as well as on Iraqis who came to their aid, killing numerous civilians and seriously wounding two children. Several organizations have renewed their call to the Biden administration to drop the charges against Julian Assange and are calling them an attack on journalism and free speech. Glenn Greenwald wrote in an article published in the Information Clearing House titled The UK's Decision to Extradite Assange Shows Why the US and the UK's Freedom Lectures Are a Farce. Greenwald wrote, quote, the Assange persecution is the greatest threat to Western press freedoms in years. It is also a shining moment to the fraud of American and British self-depictions. Unquote. We don't know at this time if the British courts will accept the appeal to be filed against Julian's extradition, nor do we know if the Biden administration will drop the charges. To get to know the details about Julian Assange and the case, I am going to air an episode from Code Pink Radio, titled The Urgency of the Julian Assange Case and the Crisis of Press Freedom. It originally aired on May 4, 2022, to mark World Press Freedom Day, and it includes an interview with Julian Assange's wife, Stella, and his brother, Gabriel, who explained the urgency of his case and why it's critical to the future of press freedom. Let's listen in. Revolution. I'm Susie Gilbert of Code Pink. Welcome to our Code Pink radio show presented by WBAI 99.5 FM in New York City, WPFW 89.3 FM in Washington, D.C., KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston, and many other community radio stations like Western Mass Community Broadcasting, WMCBLP 107.9 FM. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
check out our website at www.codepink.org forward slash radio, where you'll find all our episodes from episode one to our most recent. Well, it's been an extraordinary week. We've been reminded of the importance of publishers being able to publish leaks, such as the U US Supreme Court leaked draft on Roe versus Wade this week. Um, this came out just around World Press Freedom Day, and we are reminded of the rights of publishers, such as Politico, to publish truthful information in the public interest. And to mark World Press Freedom Day this week, we have a very special guest who is Stella Assange, the wife of Julian Assange. And if we care about a free press that can publish truthful information, if we care about knowing about war crimes, we should care about what is happening to Julian Assange. So I'm excited to welcome Stella Assange and you're joining us from London, is that right? That's right. Hi, Susie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's so good to have you here. So I'm sure a lot of our audience have, have heard about the Julian Assange case over the years. Can you fill us in on, on what's happening right now? And, you know, why is this arguably the most important press freedom case, um, you know, in relation to the US right now? Can you just give us a bit of a, a catch up on what's what's happening? Well, this case is really the single biggest threat against the First Amendment in the United States and against press freedoms. The United States, of course, has kind of the gold standard of press freedom in the world. Uh, European countries are, are way behind. And what has happened is that under the Trump administration, the, um, the administration decided to go after Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, um, but also after the, the press in general. So it was part of the Trump administration's anti-press agenda that enabled uh, the prosecution of Julian. And the Obama administration had previously declined to prosecute uh, Julian in relation to the very same uh, publications, which relate to the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and torture in Guantanamo Bay and rendition and so on. Uh, so these are publications that were incredibly important, are incredible, incredibly important still, which document uh, war crimes and the uh, killings of, of civilians in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, among others, by the United States. And these are crimes that have gone unpunished and the publication of these documents showed that there was no political will and there never has been uh, to actually uh, prosecute those crimes or, or find any accountability. And uh, for the first time, the US administration decided to prosecute a publisher for having published true information. And they used a, an old uh, relic of, of the First World War, the 1917 Espionage Act, which is incredibly broadly worded um, and that, uh, you know, constitutional lawyers have been uh, um, warning for the past over 50 years that one day they could use this Espionage Act to prosecute a journalist, to prosecute a publisher. And if the act is construed in that way, that is a paradigm shift 
because it means that it will set a legal precedent that will, will allow any future administration to use uh, the act in that way. And that's precisely what happened with the Trump administration. That is what is happening with this prosecution. And it is opening the doors to uh, being being able to prosecute journalists for having published true information. And that's where we're at. So, so what is a what is a way out of this? I mean, why? What is where? What's going on with Julian right now, uh, in terms of the extradition? And and what do you see as a path path through this to freedom for Julian? This has been going on, you know, for so many years. What's what's the sort of light at the end of the tunnel right now, from your point of point of view? Well, I think there's there's a growing awareness. Uh, Julian has not been a free man since he was initially arrested on the 7th of December 2010 in the context of, you know, um, calls for his assassination and so on um, by the U by U.S. pundits and so on. Um, Julian has been in a high security prison, the U U.K.'s harshest prison called Belmarsh Prison for over three years. Since his arrest on the 11th of April 2019, he has been in this prison continuously. Uh, that was a whole year before COVID even started. So just to, to, you know, remind everyone about how long it's been. And yes, there's been um, extradition proceedings in the UK, but you shouldn't um, rely on, on getting any just outcome there because uh, the extradition treaty between the US and the UK is, is really uh, heavily tilted in favor of the US. There's no prima facie evidence. What mm. the DOJ says is taken at face value. Uh, the defense cannot challenge, cannot cross-examine any of, of those affirmations by, by the US government. And so, you know, when Julian's fighting this enormous and complex case uh, from inside Belmarsh prison where he can't even access his, his um, legal papers and so on. So, on. Uh, so I think there might have been, or there might be some complacency in the United States, uh, a belief that maybe the UK will stop this, but I would, mm. um, you know, I, I, I don't think the UK will stop this extradition. I think the, U, the US will have, uh, unless the Biden administration drops this case, um, this case will come to trial in Virginia where uh, there is no public, uh, you know, a, a trial uh, for, you know, the, the charges concerned the Espionage Act, where there is no public interest defense. Um, Julian basically cannot mount a defense um, or say that, you know, there there has been no, no harm and it's the public interest uh, because it's the Espionage Act, and there is no such defense. Um, and so uh, the Biden administration is furthering the worst of uh, legacy, the worst legacy of the Trump administration, mm -hmm. because this uh, pr prosecution is a lasting, um, as I said, a paradigm shift, uh, because it sets the precedent that will, will allow uh, future prosec uh, future administrations to go after the press, and this is what constitutional lawyers, press 
um, advocates have been warning for for the past 50 years since the Pentagon Papers. Wow. So what's actually happening in the US now? What's the sort of support? Where's the support coming from? Um, and, and what are folks doing to try and end this this persecution of Julian that's coming from the US? What's 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 how, how are things looking in the US right now, do you think? Well, look at the at the um, the the New York Times and the Washington Post have both come out strongly uh, calling for the Biden administration to to drop the prosecution uh, and uh, and to end this attempt to extradite uh, Julian to the United States because they understand uh, the danger it poses for their work. It's not um, it's not you know, out of the kindness of their hearts. It's because uh, they've done the legal analysis, they've actually looked at the and at the indictment, and what is being criminalized here is uh, receiving and possessing, communicating information to the public from a journalistic source. That is 17 charges under the Espionage Act, which consist of, of that uh, and of communicating with a source which is uh, construed as a conspiracy this is this is what um, you know experts have been warning uh, uh, that this that you know some some administration could could cross that line and that line was crossed under the Trump administration and the Biden administration is furthering it uh, there have been two letters to the Biden administration one in 2019 sorry, one in uh, last year and another one this year. The one that um, by, I think, 25 or 27 press freedom and human rights organizations, all the major ones, you know, mm -hmm. uh, ACLU and Amnesty and CPJ and so on, they're all uh, unanimous about the danger that this prosecution poses uh, and that it strikes at the heart of the First Amendment. Uh, the second one, the second letter that called on the Biden administration to drop it came in, I think, in October uh, 2021. And that followed an extraordinary story that had been published, uh, an investigation uh, in by Yahoo News uh, investigative unit, three, three national security journalists working on this piece. They had over 30, that's three zero sources. Um, in the high, you know, high levels of the of the Trump administration and the National Security Council and the CIA, um, confirming that this was true, that under the Trump administration and under CIA, the directorship of Mike Pompeo, when he was at the helm of the CIA, the CIA was actively planning, conspiring to murder Julian, to assassinate him in the United Kingdom. Uh, to con there were plans also to kidnap him, to rendition him. There was talks of black sites and shootouts, uh, and that Mike Pompeo was obsessed uh, with taking down Julian and WikiLeaks. And that's because WikiLeaks, as soon as the Trump administration came in, published uh, about uh, the CIA's um, illegal activities in the form of uh, their. Um, a publication called Vault 7, which enraged uh, CIA director Mike Pompeo, and he 
made it, you know, out of uh, the article says a, an obsession uh, that wasn't didn't correspond to any threat that WikiLeaks posed compared, you know, at all as a publisher, uh, especially when you know the CIA has actual um, concerns uh, over, you know, national security that don't concern journalists. Uh, but he, this was his his obsession to take down WikiLeaks, and so WikiLeaks became uh, the target of a wide-ranging attack, including the planting of of false fabricated stories uh, in the mainstream media. And the most famous story was uh, the false story that the fabricated story that Paul Manafort and Julian Assange met in the Ecuadorian embassy. This was published as a front-page story of the Guardian, and it is now unanimously, universally uh, seen as, as one of the most embarrassing episodes of The Guardian um, that they that they published this this fabrication. Uh, so it was a, a wide-ranging um, attack to prepare the ground for, for Julian's arrest. Um, so it, it's wrong to, you know, suggest that, that the CIA had a plan that failed. No, their plan was to get Julian incarcerated um, and that was a Trump administration decision, and that is a decision that the Biden administration is incomprehensibly uh, furthering. So do you think, you know, you were you were mentioning these letters um, to Biden, what, that the Biden administration assigned by so many groups like the ACLU and Human Rights Watch and all the other groups. I mean, do you, do you, do you get the sense? What are you hearing from these press freedom groups? Do you, are you getting any feedback at all from the Biden administration? Like, do you think there is a chance they may at some point just drop this all and be done with it? Or is that is that naive? You know, just thinking back to how Obama famously, you know, commuted Chelsea Manning sentence. Do you think do you think they might do the right thing? Or is there too much politics on the line in terms of midterms or, or anything else going on? Well, there's always going to be politics in the way, but the fact is that it is not in the Biden administration's interest to pursue this case. It would be a terrible, terrible legacy for uh, Julian to be extradited and stand trial during Biden's presidency. And that is what is going to happen unless this case is dropped, because we're now at the final stages it's a matter of months, not years, until the final outcome is decided in the United Kingdom. And, uh, you know, the Biden, Biden was part of Obama's administration. It was that administration that decided not to prosecute, that commuted the source's um, uh, sentence. Chelsea Manning was the source of these very publications that Julian's now being prosecuted over, the Iraq and Afghan war logs and the Guantanamo Bay files uh, and the diplomatic cables. And that, and her sentence was commuted after seven years, and you, here you have the publisher who is facing 175 years in prison uh, for having simply received the information uh, from the source and um, possessed it. I mean, just imagine, just mm. just you know, just break down these these charges. Think about it. Imagine you're a journalist and you just receive information from a source. You decide not to publish it. But you've possessed it. Mm. You can still go to prison for ten years for each charge. You know these are seventeen charges. Uh, just the publications that WikiLeaks uh, made in relation to Guantanamo Bay 
is a whole life sentence. 40 years of the charges relate to Guantanamo Bay alone. Um, the collateral murder video, uh, which was, you know, uh, um, showed the, the, a war crime, uh, journalists being killed, uh, um, by a, by a helicopter, by a helicopter gunship, uh, in Baghdad and, and, uh, you know, a dozen other civilians, um, and, and the, Good Samaritans that came to to try to rescue one of the Reuters journalists, um, then assassinated uh, as well. That was a that was a you know a black and white in black and white. That's a war crime, and Julian faces um, forty years in relation to the publication of collateral murder. That's a life sentence. This can't be uh, what what. Biden wants to be remembered by, and this this is one of the look. The, the Committee to Protect Journalists just released a report um, about the Biden administration's record in relation to press freedom, in relation to the First Amendment, and one of the four issues that they raised was the prosecution of Julian Assange. Um, Julian's prosecution is a major stain on the Biden administration's record. Um, and one of the recommendations, one of the four recommendations by the, the CPJ, uh, the Committee to Protect Journalists, is for the Biden administration to immediately drop this prosecution. But look, there's, there's, uh, it would be wrong to to think that there's that the state is is some kind of monolith. Uh, mm -hmm. The prosecution of Julian has always been controversial. That's why the Obama administration decided not to proceed. The Obama administration's Department of Justice spokesperson, Matthew Miller, announced in 2013, after the Manning trial was over, the court-martial said, we will not, this administration will not prosecute Julian Assange because he is a publisher, he is not a hacker, and in order to prosecute him, that would mean we would be setting a precedent for the rest of the press, and we are not willing to go there. And under the Trump administration, that is exactly what they were willing to do, and that is exactly what they did, and that is the you know that is the way to uh, understand what has happened here. But there's a lot of support um, for Julian uh, at a you know popular level. Uh, we knew this was the case just as a as a you know as a clear example of of the support he has. There was a, a fundraising. Um, a charity auction about uh, two, eight, eight weeks ago, I think, and um, the, the community got together to bid uh, in this charity auction. 10,000 people got together and raised $50 million, $50 million, and that um, auction, um, that charity auction was to raise money for Julian's legal defense. Uh, so that is that is the true um, uh, power of of uh, Julian's case uh, that that you know it has popular legitimacy. Uh, when people are, learn about the case, um, they are appalled because they understand that this is an attack on our basic freedoms, on what it means uh, to have an open and democratic society, and that is what is being attacked. The truth is being atta attacked, and Julian. You know, he really risks um, 
spending the rest of his life in jail or 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 dying as a result of the incarceration um and it's really urgent uh for for you know uh people to uh to to be informed about this case and and you know do what um do what their conscience dictates yeah how is um how is julian doing um i mean it seems like a a silly question but how how is he day to day right now and and what is your situation with being able to visit him well we have two children um they're three and and five well almost five uh they only they the, all their memories of their father are in belmarsh prison mm-hmm. um Julian's been in Belmarsh prison for three years. Uh, the little one was just a few weeks old when Julian was arrested. And, you know, it's... He's... We see him about once a week, um, sometimes twice a week. And those those moments are precious. But mm. we don't know how long we've got with him. I don't know how long my children will, will have even this limited contact with their father. Um, and you know this is completely inhumane. Julian did nothing wrong. He's being punished for uh, doing what is right, what is conscien- conscionable, um, for for you know doing what what journalists are supposed to do, uh, which is to publish the truth, uh, and especially truth that is uh, embarrassing and incriminating of of states committing crimes against civilians. Um, but yeah, it, it's difficult, and Julian's health is deteriorating by the day. He's in a high-security prison uh, with extended uh, periods of time in his cell, limited contact when he has contact with the other, with other prisoners and so on. You know, it's 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 a, it's a very harsh and dangerous environment, and it's it's just uh, you know he he shouldn't be in prison. He shouldn't have spent a single day in prison. He's a He's a thinker. He's an intellectual. He's a he's a writer. He's a journalist. And and you know, civilized nations should not be putting journalists in prison. Stella, thank you so much for being with us. Um, for folks who want to learn more about what's happening with the case and and your work on it, where can they follow you? Where can they learn more? Particularly folks in the states. What would you suggest? Well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Stella Morris. That's my um, maiden name uh, with one R, Morris, mm-hmm. uh, M-O-R-I-S. And then numeral one, Stella Morris one. Uh, you can uh, follow the, this this uh, collective of um, 10,000 people that raised $50 million and they have new projects. They're called Assange Dow. So on Twitter, uh, the handle is Assange D-A-O, um, D for Denmark, A for Assange, O for Omega. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and um, there's also a website called don'textraditeassange.com, and that has lots of um, videos of films uh, and videos of Julian and statements by Amnesty and CPJ um and human rights watch and so on and that's a great resource um because it's always important to be able to argue from authority 
uh, mm. to say, you know, this is this is the press freedom groups say that this is uh, an attack on press freedom. The New York Times says it. The Washington Post says it. It's not me saying it. Um, so that's very powerful. And that resource is on don'textraditeassange.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Stella, for, for being with us in this busy World Press Freedom Day week. Um, so just to remind our listeners, you're listening to Code Pink Radio, coming to you through Pacifica Radio's P WPFW in Washington, D.C., WBAI in New York City, and KPFT in Houston. We'll be back after this break with Julian's younger brother, Gabriel Shipton, who'll be talking about his film about his father's campaign to release Julian Assange. So thank you, Stella, again. Thank you, Sue. You're listening to Arab Voices, coming to you from the studios of KPFT Houston. This is Saeed, executive producer and host of Arab Voices. What we are listening to is an episode from Code Pink Radio titled The Urgency of the Julian Assange Case and the Crisis of Press Freedom. It originally aired on May 4, 2022 to mark World Press Freedom Day. During the first portion, we heard the interview with Julian Assange's wife, Stella, and during the second portion, we will hear the interview with Julian Assange's brother, Gabriel, who explains the urgency of his case and why it's critical to the future of press freedom. And that's what scares them so. And there's a special ring reserved in hell. And that's where they're gonna go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. talk about your contact with Julian through his childhood. It's part of the story. I think it isn't important. part of the story. Yeah. The story is that, I, you know, I'm attempting in my own modest way yeah. to get Julian out of the... Julian Assange is the hero of our time. He was the darling of the left. All of a sudden, he's a puppet of Russia. My name is John Shifton. I'm Julian Assange's yeah, father. WikiLeaks found that Julian Assange has been arrested. One of the most notorious and controversial figures in custody. Assange will remain behind bars until that extradition hearing, which has been set down for the end of February. I urge the Department of Justice to drop the charges. The maximum jail sentence of 175 years. Because he published the truth. How does it feel to be the father of such a controversial figure, somebody who's not known around the world? 
Was that him on the phone before? Yeah. 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 What are you talking about on a on a kind of regular basis? If Julian is extradited to the United States to face these charges, he will be the first, but not the last. What are your worst fears? That it just collapses under the strain. It looks as though what journalists do for a living is seen to be a criminal act. Shit to keep it up, man. Thank you. I wish I had your energy. I really do. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I mean, I'm fucking doing out. There's not a great public love and support. This is really a truly a good question. What's at stake? If he goes down, so will journalism. But if people walked away from this film understanding you, how would you feel about that? We're here, and this has only come about because we have a child in the ship, mm. and we want to get him out. You were listening to a trailer for Ithaca, A Father, A Family, A Fight for Justice, which is the new documentary feature film following John Shipton's journey around the world and his advocacy for his son, Julian Assange, in the face of legal battles and media glare. Welcome back. I'm Susie Gilbert at Code Pink. You're listening to Code Pink Radio presented by WBAI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C., and KPFT in Houston. So I'm really excited to welcome Gabriel Shipton, who is Julian Assange's younger brother, who's joining us from Melbourne, Australia. Hey, Gabriel, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, You're currently, you've recently premiered your new feature documentary film, which is called Ithaca, A Father, A Family, A Fight for Justice. Um, Tell us about this film and why you made it. Yeah, so uh, back in 2019, uh, I I went to visit Julian in uh, Belmarsh Prison and it was just after he'd been taken uh, from the Ecuadorian embassy where he spent seven years he was an asylee there in the Ecuadorian embassy, and he'd just been taken into uh, Belmarsh, which is UK's um, harshest prison, where he's been for the last three years. And with my father, John Shipton and John Pilger, he was in the health wing of the prison, which the prisoners there uh, actually call the hell wing, uh, because it's a place for the most desperately suicidal, uh, terminally ill, uh, prisoners. There's, there was one prisoner Julian told me about who had no arms, no legs. Uh, so he was in that part of the prison in his cell 23 hours a day. And over the years when I had visited him, uh, you know, whether it was in the Ecuadorian embassy or under house arrest or uh, the different situations that he'd been in in the UK, I'd never seen him like that. I, I left the prison that day thinking that I might not ever see him again. And so we started thinking, I'm a film producer, I'm a drama film producer, that's what I do. And so we started thinking about how do we tell a different side of the story? How do we tell a side of the story uh, from uh, from a fa- a fam- the family's perspective? And at the time, my father, John, was traveling around Europe, uh, advocating for Julian, putting together 
groups and um, you know going to the European Parliament, going to the Bundestag, you know, um, just building support for Julian in Europe. And so John seemed like the obvious uh, the obvious way into this story. Uh, he was sort of our Trojan horse in a way. You know, his his fight for his son uh, is the sort of thread that that uh, threads together the whole film. So that's how we, um, you know, we started following him with a camera and three years later where uh, we premiered the film here in Australia. Uh, we're doing a theatrical tour around the country. Um, it's during the election season here. So it is a great way that we can get in front of people and, uh, you know, just show them a different side to this story, a uh, humanistic, uh, humanistic side to this story. Because the way we always, the way a lot of people learn about Julian is through the media headlines or through antagonistic interviews. Uh, so this is an opportunity to learn about Julian through the people who love him, through John, his father, through Stella, his wife and, and his children. So, well, huge congratulations for getting the film made um, with your brother in prison. You've got this huge distance between Australia and the UK and, you know, two years of COVID. I can't imagine you know some of the challenges can you tell us a little bit more about your father's journey and your journey on this camp campaign you've been i know you were in in the us not long ago um you're doing work in australia and and for an american audience who you know might not be up to speed on what's going on if you can refresh your memory as to what is going on with with julian right now yeah, so at the moment, Julian is, uh, he his um, was rejected uh, and that, that happened uh, December 10 last year. Uh, so he, uh, the High Court uh, ordered his extradition. Julian appealed that and uh, his appeal was rejected by the Supreme Court. Uh, the extradition was rubber stamped by the magistrates court now and sent to the home secretary uh pretty patel who will sign off on the extradition uh she i think they have until may 18th uh to make representations to the home secretary so it's this is an important point in the case because it's the first time uh in the uk uh that there has been no uh, legal ongoing legal proceeding around the extradition so at this time uh, the extradition has become entirely political so it's a really important time uh, and Julian's lawyers have been making applications to uh, Priti Patel they have until May 18th and a lot of people around the world have been uh, you know uh, tweeting at Priti Patel the Home Secretary uh, getting, trying to, um, you know, just make her aware that uh, the the global support that exists uh, for Julian. I know there's people uh, here who are writing to Priti Patel from Australia. Uh, there's a group of 30 parliamentarians who are friends of Julian Assange, uh, parliamentary friends group, and they ha they are writing a letter to Priti Patel, the Home Secretary. So there's groups all over the world who are taking this opportunity uh, to advocate for Julian to the Home Secretary because uh, it, there is no longer this legal proceeding. And, and there is a precedent uh, in the past for uh, Home Secretaries to reject extraditions. So 
uh, Theresa May, who was a former UK Prime Minister, of Gary McKinnon, who uh, had a similar depressive disorder and similar Asperger's syndrome to, Jul to Julian, uh, and she rejected that order uh, because uh, extraditing Gary to the US, the US prison system, uh, would be likely be a death, death sentence for him. And that's what the magistrate, uh, the, at the magistrate court level, uh, that's, that was why she rejected the extradition, uh, is that the, the prison conditions in the US would be so oppressive uh, that, that Julian would likely uh, commit suicide there. Uh, my father and I have been campaigning in the US. Uh, we traveled there uh, three times last year, uh, first time in January, and then we did a 15-city uh, 15, 15, uh, tour across the US in June, later in the year. Um, there was a whole, I mean, you know, we were sort of blown away by the outpouring of support, uh, the hospitality we were shown, um, just normal, you know, normal, uh, American people who uh, understand what 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 really what Julian's persecution really means to them and their freedom of speech and their right to know uh, were coming out and, and and listening to us talk. They were joining our demonstrations all across the country. Uh, we then uh, I returned in December last year, and you know we had uh, Congress people like Ro Khanna coming out. Uh, in support of Julian, Ilhan Omar was tweeting, uh, you know, in support of the uh, charges against Julian uh, being dropped. So there is a there's a building movement in the U.S. that uh, you know I think is just going to keep uh, growing and growing as uh, Julian's options uh, in the courts in the U.K. You know, now it's it's the extradition to the U.S. is becoming very imminent at this point and. You know, for Julian, uh, a, a trial in the U.S. Uh, he would be tried in the Eastern District of Virginia, which uh, draws its juries uh, from uh, from that area. And around that area, you have military contact contractors, you have uh, you know uh, army bases, intelligence community. So you're you're drawing a, a jury uh, directly from the people uh, who Julian uh, exposed. And so there it is highly unlikely. In fact, people have said there is no chance that Julian uh, will receive a fair trial in the Eastern District of Virginia. And I think, you know, there were some these sort of assurances that were given by the US DOJ uh, to the to the High Court in the UK, which aren't really assurances at all. They're totally caveated, and the person who actually decides whether Julian is put in, uh, say. Uh, you know, the harshest prisons in the US, like in Florence, the supermax in Florence, Colorado is actually a director of the CIA. So uh, you can imagine what's going to happen to Julian once he arrives in the US. And yeah, I don't think even, yeah, I just, you know, I was just so fearful of him traveling there just because I know that he can't be kept safe in a US prison. You know, there, there, there are people there who, who have called for his you know, to be him to be killed, extradition killings, or uh, last September there was uh, over 30 sources from inside the intelligence community that spoke to uh, some Yahoo News journalists. There was a 6,000 word 
a Yahoo News investigation that showed there were plots from within the CIA, uh, plots that originated in the CIA to kidnap Julian uh, and to assassinate him. So the plot to kidnap him went all the way uh, to the White House and uh, the DOJ saw those plots and said, well, what are you going to do with him once you kidnap him? Let, you know, let us do a prosecution. Uh, let us put forward this prosecution so that we have something, at least we have some sort of uh, thing to keep him in jail once, uh, once you take him from the embassy. So I always, you know, that always reminds me, it's like, it's not, he hasn't, it's not like he's he's sort of been judicially kidnapped in a way and and he's still you know he's been in that prison for three years now so his um you know his conditions aren't getting any better wow so so right now he's still in the uk um you're waiting to see if this can you hear me okay yes Okay, great. Um, you're waiting to hear if this extradition is going to happen and you're you're doing everything you can against it. Um, tell me more about the sort of the, the, the tide of support that you mentioned. Um, you, you were saying like everyday Americans really were supportive and really getting what this case is about. Um, and I heard Julian Assange's wife, Stella, recently speak about how there's been more support for this this whole case more 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 than ever before. Can you tell us about some of the sort of support from from human rights groups and press groups and why you think there is this this changing tide now? Yes, well, uh, you know, there's a, there there are the twenty five uh, press freedom and human rights groups in the U.S. You know, all the largest uh, ones. You know, uh, Human Rights Watch, ACLU. Um, you know, all, uh, Amnesty International, all the largest groups that have uh, been advocating for Julian, uh, they've written letters to the Biden administration uh, to, uh, expressing their concern about uh, the case against Julian, you know, what it means for press freedom, uh, you know, in, in the US and, and around the world. Uh, so there's all those organizations. There's, uh, you know, the executive editors of the Washington Post, uh, executive editors of the New York Times have all come out, uh, you know, saying that this this prosecution is a, is a threat to press freedoms and it should be dropped. Uh, so there's like this huge amount of institutional support from all these organizations, from these large newspapers. Uh, Newsweek's the same. And then there's also political support for Julian all around the world as well. So, you know, you've got uh, uh, President Obrador in, the, in Mexico who uh, is bringing up Julian's case, you know, quite often. I think, you know, he's made a few state, quite a few public statements uh, saying that the case against Julian should be dropped. Uh, there are cross-party groups, uh, you know, in, in countries all around the world. You know, Brazil, uh, Australia has a cross-party group, 30 people. Uh, the UK, there's a cross-party group. Uh, Germany, Austria, uh, all through Europe, and these groups—they're not. Uh, it's not a partisan issue. It is left and right coming together. In the US, uh, you have Tucker Carlson speaking out for Julian Assange, as well as Amy Goodman. This—it's not. It's a non-partisan issue. It's a press freedom issue. It's a. It, it's about basic principles and basic rights of people and that's why you know we've got so much support because you know it's not it's not a left or right issue we 
uh, Julian draws support uh, from both sides of politics. So it's it's very rare in that sense that that you have that you have these issues that are sort of uh, nonpartisan, particularly. particularly yes, I, I don't know. There's, you know, I don't think there's that many issues that Amy Goodman and and Tucker Carlson uh, can agree on, uh, like this one. That's pretty amazing, and that's a really interesting point about the level of bipartisan support. So, so what are what is what are sort of UK? I mean, US activists focusing more most on in the Assange campaign when they're working in the US. Where where are they focusing? What are they asking for? So, a lot of people are getting in touch with their representatives. Uh, you know, their Congress people, their senators. They're setting meetings to. Uh, bring their concerns about this prosecution to them uh, because they're, they're elected representatives, they need their vote. Uh, there are demonstrations, there's always, there's always um, activities happening in DC, uh, there's comedy shows, all sorts of things that are going on around the country uh, that just to raise the awareness of the case and also take it uh, to the next level. AssangeDefense.org uh, is a handy a handy resource uh, for people, and that that's always kept up to date uh, with the latest news, with the latest actions that that uh, are happening, especially in the U.S. It's a, a U.S. Um, organization, so that is really the up to date spot uh, where that's happening. I believe there will be a whole, uh, you know, it's obviously World Press Freedom Day on May the third, so there will be. You know, a bunch of actions, uh, not just in the US, but around the world. Uh, we are running uh, some ads here in Australia, some full page ads in the newspapers and things like that. So really, uh, the the momentum is really building around, uh, around freeing Julian, uh, especially, you know, in Australia and the US. Great to hear. And tell me, I've seen a few folks on social media point out about, you know, there's rightly a lot of attention on the um, war atrocities right now in Ukraine and, and, you know, opening investigations and all that sort of thing. Yet at the same time, you know, the US is calling for investigations into war crimes. It's It's, you know, threatening to imprison a journalist who did just that for up to 175 years in, in prison. How, you know, what are people saying about that when you speak to them? How, how can people be seriously talking about investigating war crimes in Ukraine whilst uh, focusing on extraditing Julian Assange to the US? How does that, how do folks reconcile that? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the, you know, the hypocrisy just like stares you in the face, really, like, you know, I mean, if Julian, if Julian exposed, you know, you just have to compare. Like, well, how if Julian exposed war crimes in Ukraine, how would he be treated today? And, and or, or, but he exposed war crimes in Iraq. So you, I mean, it, it's just such a, a an easy way to sort of um, see why Julian has been persecuted. Uh, and and the hypocrisy, you know, it just it just is is plain to everyone. And I think, you know, uh, the rhetoric from the Biden administration, uh, you know, about press freedom, uh, you know, especially Anthony Blinken, who you know travels the world, you know, um, lecturing 
uh, you know, China or Russia on their press freedoms. Um, you know, with this case, with with this sort of with this case ongoing, you know, with Julian in, in a prison in London at the behest of the U.S. DOJ for publishing uh, evidence of war crimes. The U.S. government, the Biden administration, trying to use that same, you know, uh, trying to demand press freedoms in other countries. There's just this huge credibility gap. So, uh, you know, to me, it's very stark. And and if if people are going to be able to, you know, if if these countries, uh, these other the, these other countries are going to take anyone at all seriously, uh, then Julian should be freed. I mean, you know, it's the first step in in reestablishing. Uh, the sort of high ground that the moral high ground that the the US um, or particularly the Biden administration likes to uh, stand on to lecture uh, other governments. Yeah, well said. Uh, Gabriel, where can uh, we learn more about your work, uh, your film about Julian Assange and your father's uh, campaign? Where can we follow your work? And when is it coming to the United States? Yes, you can visit, uh, the film has a website, which is ithaca.movie. Uh, it's just, you know, just type ithaca.movie into your browser and it'll take you to the film web- website. Uh, and that's all the, you know, you'll see the trailer and everything about, you know, the film, who's involved and, and where it's playing. Uh, we are hoping to come later in the year to the US and have a theatrical release as well as uh, a Q&A uh, tour, which I think would be perhaps in the fall that's when I would like to come but uh, yeah we, we still have to uh, do a lot of organizing to make that happen but uh, we I've been a lot of the activists over there have, uh, are, are really excited to screen the film and, and you know uh, I'm really you know it's a great way for it to get everyone together um, you know and and do something a bit different other than going to a protest or or, or an action you know we can we can all go and uh, watch a movie. It's also a good way to to uh, get people who sort of, you know, a, a little bit um, don't know so much and and you know might have tuned out a, a bit about Julian's case to to invite them along to a film is a bit easier than uh, getting them to come to a talk or, or something like that. So it's it's a little it's a great little piece of um, a campaign tool as well as a, just a good film. Wonderful. And Gabriel Shipton, you're on Twitter, is that right? You're on Twitter, social media, we can find you there? Yes, uh, uh, just Gabriel Shipton, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-S-H-I-P-T-O-N on Twitter. Wonderful. Well, Gabriel Shipton, younger brother of Julian Assange, joining us from Melbourne, Australia. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the film. And we'll follow your work and, uh, and the film and hopefully see it in the US in a few months' time. Great, thank you. Thank you so much. Please learn more about what you can do for press freedom and the case around Assange at codepink.org. Thank you for listening to Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C., and KPFT in Houston. Code pink. It's blood for oil. We know there's a link. They say code war. We say code war. We say code pink. 
What you just heard was an episode from Code Pink Radio titled The Urgency of the Julian Assange Case and the Crisis of Press Freedom. It originally aired on May 4, 2022 to mark World Press Freedom Day and it included an interview with Julian Assange's wife Stella and his brother Gabriel who explain the urgency of his case and why it's critical to the future of press freedom. And in case you missed it, and as I mentioned at the top of the hour, the British government approved on June 17, 2022, the extradition of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to the United States to face espionage charges. Assange's lawyers are expected to challenge that order in the British courts within 14 days. Julian Assange is charged by the United States government with the publication of classified documents and exposing war crimes committed by the U.S. forces in Iraq. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison if convicted for violations of the Espionage Act. Several organizations have renewed their call to the Biden administration to drop the charges against Julian Assange and are calling them an attack on journalism and free speech. We don't know at this time if the British courts will accept the appeal to be filed against Julian's extradition, nor do we know if the Biden administration will drop the charges. And that does it for the show today. Thanks for listening. This is Saeed, executive producer and host of Arab Voices. Until we meet next week, peace on earth. <laughs>